The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to episode 28 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. My guest this week is Kate Sickle. At the age of 30, she received the shocking news that she had stage 3 breast cancer. She decided that she would openly share the details of her struggle with treatment, the effect on her marriage, the challenges of fertility, and the loss of her breasts. During her treatment, friends and family became closer to Kate due to her willingness to be open, her positivity, her faith, and showing her humanness through it all. Her journey has had its ups and downs, and I'm thrilled to have her here to share her experiences with you today. Welcome, Kate. I'm so happy to have you here today. We were talking just a few minutes ago about how we had actually met in person back in October, and then we had started talking in January, and I'm not sure either one of us put together that we had actually met before in person. So I'm really excited to have you share your story today. Thanks. Yeah, it was so weird when we were connecting about other things. And it's like, wait, you were a runway? Oh, I was a runway. And like, it was amazing how we had already met before for the same, like, amazing cause. It's always great to meet with people who support each other in in this little journey, because we all need all the support we can get. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you just jump in and share your story, kind of where you started and all the way through to where you are today. Yeah. So I was diagnosed at the age of 29 with breast cancer back in 2017. And I was really surprised because no one in my family has a history of breast cancer. I initially thought that they were cysts because my mom had a history of cysts. And as I kind of, you know, did all the things that you're supposed to do, like go to your OBGYN and and then go to imaging and like, as things got progressively more involved, I started to think, okay, this could actually be a cancer diagnosis. And sure enough, by the end of the week, that's what it was. So I built a team, a medical team. My husband and I called pretty much everyone that we knew. Um, to ask for support and just let people know. And um, I started chemo in October of 2017, finished um, at the beginning of February of 2018, and then had my double mastectomy a couple months later and radiation in uh, June, right after Memorial Day. So uh, it took, all in all, it took a little less than a year to do all of the treatment. And then of course, for me with hormone positive breast cancer, I started aromatase inhibitors and ovarian suppression injections, which I've been doing for over a year now, I guess maybe a year and a half. So it was uh, very long. And as everybody who's been through this knows, you know, very painful, very um, traumatic <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, but out of that, you come through it and you meet a lot of really cool people like you and, and Teresa and all the folks that run away and uh, my friends at life with cancer and first Sense And there's so many great groups that I've uh, joined and been a part of that. I really, really would not have ever heard of if it wasn't for this. So um, there's always that silver lining, you know, for me anyway, that I found. So 
yeah, it's, it's been, uh, about a year and a half since I finished treatment and I, uh, I've moved on with my life in a lot of ways and still hang on to things in a lot of ways. And, uh, I started my own business, which was a big step for me and bought a house and, you know, have kind of started going back to, you know, what, whatever the normal was before you don't really go back to normal, but no. as the new as normal. Exactly. I heard that phrase a lot during treatment. So, yeah. So it's really interesting around the new normal. Mm -hmm. Because I do think no one really tells you that you're going to have a new normal. No, no one in the medical area tells you you're <laughs> no. going to have a new normal. No, they don't. I mean, they, they try, but the thing is that it's different for everybody. Yes. And no one really at least for me, I really didn't think that my life was going to look so different when I was done. I, I really went through this, this identity crisis for a few months where I just was not sure what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I just knew that it wasn't exactly what I had been doing. A lot of my former coworkers and friends were a little bit confused about why the things I used to think I was passionate about, I wasn't passionate about anymore. And also just, you know, until you've gone through that experience or, you know, uh, someone very, very close to you has been through that experience, it's very difficult to explain it to somebody. You can try, but it, it's a very individual journey. It is. And every body is so different. Like, it's a very interesting experience. I, I wonder if this resonates for you, as you were saying, like people in your life were surprised that you were no longer passionate about things you thought you were passionate about. And I wonder if often I, I think people view our gifts, the things that we're good at as things we should be passionate about. But sometimes the things that we are really good at and excel in are not necessarily things that we're passionate about. They're just strengths. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that resonates at all, like in your work journey. <laughs> My work journey was a little bit weird. Um, I had for a while before this, a couple of people had approached me and said, you know, you might, you know, you would be a really good business owner or you might be good at trying to branch out on your own. And I thought about it. And honestly, I was just afraid. I didn't know that I could. I didn't know if I would succeed. I was worried about the money. And there's no, with, with starting a new business, it's very complicated. And yes. the, the taxes change and you're always, I was just very worried about all the things. And when this was all over and I kind of looked around at the ashes of what had been my old life, uh, I realized that a lot of those things were dead. And so suddenly I had this space that I d hadn't seen before to move forward. And so I, uh, I thought, well, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I can always go, go back. And, you know, I live in the Washington DC area. I can always get another job. Some, you know, somewhere else doing something else, you know, and that was a year and a half, almost, yeah, about a year and a half ago. And so far I have been doing better than I ever thought I would. And I'm happier than I ever thought I'd be. 
I, I work from home most of the time and I really enjoy that. And I have autonomy over my own schedule. I can meet with my clients myself. I have much more space to be curious and try new things. Um, and that's a freedom that I've always wanted to have. And now that I have it, it's really exciting to see, you know, what, what comes from taking a step back and really letting yourself go and saying, yes. if I can do anything, let's try anything and see what happens. So that's been a really big uh, step forward for me. And it's given me a lot of confidence too. I think, I think when we go through cancer, it can often really destroy uh, your confidence in yourself because that identity that you used to have, it kind of shrivels up in a lot of ways. And so through starting this business, through various outdoor adventure programs that I've tried, through things like Runway for the Cure, you know, every time you do one of those things, it gives you a little bit of a piece of who you used to be back, you know, a little piece of that confidence, a little piece of that, oh yeah, I can do it attitude. And, you know, you just, you kind of build on that. And then eventually, hopefully, you know, you try to help give other people that too, you know, you meet other, the cancer industry, you're always meeting other people who've either done it or are currently going through it. And, And it's great to be able to offer that support back to people and say, Oh, you know, like I've taken people river rafting or rock climbing and it's always exciting to see them kind of recognize in themselves, this ability to push forward in something that they chose to do uh, versus something that they didn't. One of the things I love about that as well, I did the dopey challenge after a, a year out from treatment, from finishing my chemo, I did the dopey challenge, which is a four day Disney event. 5K Mm -hmm. on Thursday, 10K on Friday, half marathon on Saturday, marathon on Sunday. I walked a lot. I mean, (laughs) the the training really trains you to do a lot of walking because it's a lot of miles under your feet. And really the worst thing for me was the 3 a.m. wake up call. There are 5.30 races at Disney. Every race starts at 5.30. It's ridiculously early. But I did that because I could. And I did it to show people that, hey, I, starting in February, I put a plan in place and I started training and I got to the following January and I did the races and I finished and I finished in the times that I thought I would finish and that I was winning by just finishing and hitting that goal and doing that thing every day. And I have a plaque that hangs on the wall in my studio that has my medals because you get a bunch of medals and they're like right. you know the size of your head because it's Disney. <laughs> Disney has to be over the top about everything but it it was very much that like you can choose to go river rafting and have a really fun time and be successful at that or choose to try rock climbing or choose to go take a dance class or right the wor- the possibilities become like this endless opportunity of possibilities and one of the beautiful things i have noticed among cancer survivors is we are more likely to take action on yes, doing those things i i think for a lot of us there's that hesitancy that fear that used to hold us back yes from um taking risks doesn't anymore 
Right. Um, I, and I've met people where survivors where it's actually the opposite is true. That is true. But for me and for a lot of my friends that I hang out with and really for me personally, it, it's the opposite. I, I'm now more willing to take risks and more willing to try new things because I have recognized that you, you get a very clear picture of what matters and what doesn't. Yes. And uh, I've realized that other people's opinions is one of those things that falls into the doesn't category. Yes. And uh, expanding myself and trying new things and growing in my own identity is one of those things that does. So I think one of the trauma in general, but, but near death experiences especially can really force a lot of that into perspective. And I've gotten a lot better about stating what I need. I used to not do that before. I used to kind of let everybody else's needs come first and it was actually harmful. It's kind of like when you, um, that line about putting on your own oxygen mask before assisting others. Yeah. Um, I used to be the person who was running around trying to put on everyone else's oxygen masks and passing out on occasion because I didn't have enough oxygen. And I don't really do that anymore. And what's crazy is that uh, not only am I breathing better, but everybody else around me is breathing better too. Yes, that is such a powerful lesson to share. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Kate and I are going to keep chatting about the the idea of putting our own oxygen mask on first, because that is huge. And just the beautiful choices that we get to make on the other side of this journey. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, Jen here. I hope you're enjoying the show. When I finished treatment, I discovered survivorship was way more challenging than I ever expected it to be. There are a lot of things no one prepares you for. I attended one support group meeting and knew that was not for me. The more people I talked with, the more I realized I was not alone. This podcast is a forum for people to share their cancer stories from start to present. And my Facebook group is a gathering space for people to find positive inspiration on the not-so-positive days. In a community of people who understand the challenges of this journey. So come on over and join the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. And be part of the conversation. When you see the question, how did you hear about us? Be sure to mention this podcast episode. I look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back. I'm here with Kate and we are talking about her journey with breast cancer. And we were talking off air about a few different things that I think come up for a lot of us. And one of them she mentioned in the first part of our interview about trauma. And it's been very interesting what's happening in the world of research and in the medical community in terms of trauma and cancer survivors and caregivers, the number of people that are being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress and various versions of that and how trauma gets imprinted on us is so interesting. I had a situation where 
I made it through all my treatment and everything really beautifully. And I was on a maintenance type medication that I was going to have to take for five or 10 years, depending on, you know, the research of the day, it changes, it goes back and forth. And for me, my kind of moment of being traumatized was in having massive side effects from that medication and seeing all my healthcare providers and having them all kind of pat me on the back and none of them give me any direction or help with what was happening. And I felt really unheard. And it's interesting how they're also tying trauma to this idea of being unheard where we have concerns and we bring them forward and they don't get answered. And then we're kind of left in this no man's land of what's happening. And then in that moment, we end up realizing somewhere down the line that, wow, that has actually traumatized me. And my husband, we lost a friend a year and a couple months after, it was almost two years after my diagnosis, but she was diagnosed triple negative and she had been through all the treatment and all of a sudden, like on a Monday, she found out that she had a tumor on her liver and on Friday she was gone and we were in the parking garage at the hospital after coming from visiting her. My husband turned and looked at me and said, do you need to go in for scans? Are they sure they haven't missed anything? And I said, no, I'm okay. And my situation is totally different. My type is different. I'm further out. Like, I'm okay. I have an appointment next month. I can ask additional questions, but I think that I'm okay. And that was very indicative of that kind of post-traumatic stress response of hypervigilance and, and concern. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about kind of how you experience some of those things as well. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a diagnosis in and of itself is incredibly traumatic because you never think it's going to happen to you. And you think, oh, no, it's like, I'm too, for me, it was I'm too young and yes. there's no history. And then when it does, you know, I always felt incredibly supported, but at the same time, it's lonely in the sense that it's you and it's your diagnosis and you have to process what it's like to go through chemotherapy. You have to process what it's like to lose both to your breasts when your breasts are one of your favorite physical features of yourself, you know? So for me, every time I felt like I had a grip on it, every time I was like, okay, this sucks, but I've accepted it. I can move on. It'll be okay. Like once I felt like I had like some sort of foothold on treatment or where we we're at or what was going to happen next, something new would pop up and it would just ruin me all over again. So for example, one of my tumors was pressed up against my left nipple and it was pressing on nerves and causing me to uh, not really be able to uh, feel anything. And so I called the doctor and I was like, is this normal? You know, is it going to come back? What are we going to do? And she said, well, the chemo will shrink the tumor. So eventually you'll start to feel it again. And I was like, great. And she goes, yeah, until you have your surgery and then it'll disappear again. And I was like, wait, so I'll probably never feel anything in this left nipple again. And she's like, yeah, probably. I'm done. Lost it. Yeah. That day was over. <laughs> 
Um, you know, and I had other things where um, I had got bronchitis in December in the middle of chemo. And that normally would take me about a week to recover. It took me about a month. I thought I was going to have to delay chemo. You know, I, in some ways I got very lucky. My treatment was in many ways by the book. It worked well, but that didn't mean that there were little surprises here and there that popped up that were not helpful. They were not easy. And they were the same for my family. You know, my family members were traumatized too. You know, my husband was very concerned and his, his father passed away of cancer several years ago. And so for him, it was very frightening and very scary and people don't always know how to help, you know, or they'll, they'll ask, but you're not really sure what to tell them. <laughs> so right. I'm people sent me blankets. That was what they noticed was a lot of people sent me blankets. I must have had 25 blankets in my house at one point. So many more than I could ever possibly use. I was grateful for every single one of them. And then I ended up donating them to a women and children's um, shelter that told me that they actually needed them. But, you know, people, people figured out, you know, they try to find ways to support you and come around you. And sometimes the, the results are wonderful. Sometimes they're a little less than helpful, but everybody's trying. Yes. So for me anyway, you know, going through trauma, it was hard and very difficult. And I think in some ways I'm still processing a lot of it, but I always felt like I had people backing me up. And that's, I think the one thing that everybody should have in the middle of something like this. Yes. Which is why I'm so grateful that there's so many amazing resources out there for people because we we need that. Everybody needs that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had also talked off air on the break a little bit about the therapy process. I know for me, support groups didn't feel like they were helping people move through their challenges, at least the ones that I had visited. I felt like it was a forum for people to talk about their challenges, but not really giving them a mechanism to kind of move through and beyond those challenges. And I think therapy is a great, I definitely recommend people. There's times, there's so many times in our life when we can benefit from like 10 sessions with someone and then we feel better. Like we've processed the thing, even if it's someone saying that's totally normal. It's totally normal to to feel that that way. Like you are not alone. Every person that's been through a divorce goes through Mm. X. Like, even though no one's talking about it. So that's one thing that came up a lot. I reminded, I re, my I was actually seeing a therapist before my diagnosis anyway, just for general mental health. And she reminded me that one of the, there's like the five most uh, traumatic or stressful things you can go through in life. And it's like birth, death, moving, marriage, divorce, and illness, like major illness. And at the mo- at the time she was saying that because I had gone through a vast majority of those and uh, then added this one and right. it's very stressful and very traumatic. And I think people need other people who've gone through it to say, um, you know, a, you're not alone. This happens often. Um, but also to remind you, like it ends Yes. Whatever, whatever phase you're in, 
it it ends. I, I always hate to say finish line when it comes to cancer because my finish line did not feel like a finish line. And no one in my life understood that. Everyone in my life, and I mean pretty much everyone, was like, hooray, you're done, you did it. Everyone was excited for me, and I understood that. But me, I felt like I was crawling, and I got to the end, and I was like, why? What? I, I, I looked around at my life, and I was like, what was the point of this? You get to the end of this horribly traumatic experience, and your trophy is that you're not dead. Right. But everything in your life is either the same or worse as it was before. And that trophy of being not dead is also the goal of all (laughs) the treatment that we went through. So everyone's trying to help you be not dead. Right. And And it's great to be not dead. It's wonderful. I really appreciate it. But in terms of victory... It took a while. It took, it took other victories in my life. It took, yes. it took climbing a 300-foot rock face by myself and rappelling back down. It took buying my first house. It took starting my business. It took backpacking 17 miles through the California desolation wilderness. Yeah. Those things. It took little things that I did for myself to add up to okay, there is a, there is a trophy. The trophy is my new identity. That's my trophy, but you have to build it. I love how you refer to those things as little things, those little things that I did. (laughs) I bought a house and I started a business and I repelled off of a wall and (laughs) those are not little things. Those are, those are brave things. They are. They are. And they're all things that I probably either wouldn't have done or just didn't get to before this. You know, right. I, I always enjoyed rock climbing before this. My brother and I used to go when I lived in Seattle. It was our special thing we did together. But I'd never really done it um, in a super challenging way. Like I'd never done it outside. I'd never done it off of super hot, high faces. I'd never repelled myself down a wall. So, and, you know, same with owning a home. I'd never owned a home before. Um, Starting a business is incredibly frightening. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, brave, but the feeling is fear. But, so, yeah. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, too. So, I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, it, it takes time. Yeah. And you have to be patient with yourself. And people told me that all the time when I was going through what I now know to be a, a depression. But in the moment, it's very hard to see that for yourself. Absolutely. And the thing that we are also not made aware of is so it used to be that not as many people survived. And now with early detection and mm-hmm. with the elegance and improved treatment mechanisms and the treatments are causing us less harm not no harm but less harm than they used to (laughs) they're a bit more targeted they're hopefully less impactful overall to our Mm -hmm. well-being we're alive so but they're starting the goal of the medical profession is to get you to that place of done with treatment 
Right. And then we kind of emerge from treatment and everyone thinks that we're good. And mm. our, we go from like weekly visits or daily. If you're doing radiation, you're there right. daily. Yep. And then they're like, see, see you in six months. Yeah, yep. see you in six months, see you in three months. Um, and you, when you call, you don't get the same priority that the person who they're going to see in a week gets because they're mm. active treatment. Well, and the other thing is you've, you've learned over the course of treatment to schedule your entire life around this one thing, yep. this one priority. This is the thing in your life that matters the most. Yep. And once treatment's over, you have to go, wait a second. Mm, this isn't the number one priority in my life anymore. Right. Okay. So I guess I'll just go back to work now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you kind of start to figure out, well, what are the new priorities? In your life? Right. What is the number one thing? And don't be surprised if that new number one thing takes you a while to months to figure out. And right. two, don't be surprised if it isn't the same thing that it was before. Absolutely. Because it probably isn't. You know, before cancer, I, I was really dedicated to my job. I was really dedicated to, you know, certain activities. And at the end of the day, when I came home and looked around again, you just, you, you look around and, and I, it, it, to me, it felt like I was looking at a burned down ash version of my old life and going, well, <laughs> yeah. And I figured it out, but it took, took about six months and some really serious soul searching and some reprioritizing of the relationships in my life. Yes. It took ending a job that was not a good fit for me anymore. It was not a good space, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. And, um, you know, just saying, you know, these are the things and being okay with not, I, I found a like flea market fair where I bought this piece of art that says it's okay to not know where you're going. Yes. And I love that. I realized that that applies to so much in my life sometimes of not knowing and realizing that not knowing is okay. Yes. Sometimes that means you just have to try something new and see what happens. So, and I think that's kind of where the best things come from those things where we're being curious and being really honest and saying, yeah, that's not working for me right now. I yeah. wonder if that ever really worked for me or if I just was putting myself in that box. Like someone told me it should work for me. So I was making it happen. And now I just don't care that much. Right. Right. Yeah. There's and that's, again, you get to the, the end of something like cancer and what other people said and is not always what you discover to be true. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes someone's been telling you something about you yourself for a long time and you didn't believe it. Then you do. I've, I've had both experiences, honestly, but it, it's very hard at the beginning when someone tells you, oh yeah, everything's going to change. Yeah. And while that's very difficult to hear, 
and very traumatic to hear, I think it's helpful to know that up front. Yes. The interesting thing about that statement as well is depending on who is voicing it, I had people say, you know, I had a nurse at my first chemo treatment tell me I was going to be down for the count within three days and I wasn't going to be able to work anymore. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to work until my body tells me I can't work. And there's just no reason for me to buy into this. Like, that's, that's not my truth. I don't know what my truth is going to be. And it's interesting when people say everything's going to change, like some people mean it in an exciting way. And some people mean it in a like, yeah, your life's over. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry for your bad luck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we could get into that. That's a whole extra podcast about it is for sure. People say that they really shouldn't say. Um, And the thing is like, you don't, I didn't know. Like if I probably said things to my friends with cancer before I got diagnosed that were terrible things to say because I didn't know it wasn't me. But in that moment, it's, it can be, um, it can be very difficult to, to find that grace for people when they say things that maybe were well-intentioned, but were not the right thing in that moment. And it's really interesting because I've had a number of conversations about communication on this show and it's, Nine times out of 10, when someone gives us that gem of, of their wisdom, it's Mm -hmm. really based on their own, where they are with their own feelings on what if it was them. Right. Yes. So much of that. But, and it's hard for us to separate ourselves from that. Right. Especially in the beginning. I think we learn pretty quickly. And yeah. then can kind of view it from, oh, that was a curious thing. I wonder what's <laughs> going on in their brain about, like, I wonder what their fears about this are. Um, but it's hard to be in that, like, space. Yeah. Especially when it's raw for us. Well, and it kind of forces people to be a little more aware in their communication. Like, for example, I had someone who told me in the summer that they loved my short haircut because of the summer. And this is a person who knew that I was going through cancer and knew that this was not a like choice thing. But I kind of looked at her for a second and I was like, okay. And I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I get it. It's hot here, but you realize that this isn't like a thing I picked. Right. And she just kind of kept going about how great it is to have short hair in the summer and how she wished she could cut her hair shorter like that. And I was like, they're called scissors. (laughs) You can. I mean, mean, yeah. And it's, it's hard because on one hand you, you want to explain it to people so that maybe they don't make that mistake again. But on the other hand, like I, I've learned to let things go. Yeah. And say, you know, that's okay. On the other hand, I also, when it comes to personal things, I, I take way less BS from people now. Like there's just stuff I used to let people get away with all the time. And I just don't anymore. <laughs> yes. 
so no. many people have said that their BS meter is mm -hmm. like very well tuned. Yeah. Yeah. And it, cause again, that, that confidence, that identity, you know, you've, you've earned that, you know, you've earned that new identity. You've built it from scratch. Yeah. So you don't and get it, to tell me what it is. It, it's mine now. Yeah. And it, it might sound a little crazy when I say this, but when you go through this process and you come out on the other side and you're, you become so authentically yourself mm -hmm. in ways that we didn't necessarily embrace to be, when right. you become that and embody that, other people, I think sometimes they're looking on going, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I wish I could be like that. I'm envious of that shift of perspective. I, my mm -hmm. husband and I like to travel and my oncologist has said more than once, like, are you ever home? I'm like, yes, we're home a lot. I just happen to be traveling before I see you. That's all like, but we like to travel. Traveling is important. We prioritize that in our, we travel like four weeks a year. And Great. even as a business owner, like I schedule that in and I'll be talking to other business owners and they'll say, how do you do that? I'm like, it's not, it's a non-negotiable. Like that is one of my non-negotiables. I do not know how much time I have on this planet. I am not going to wait until I'm 65. That is not like, there's no magical, like you're 65, you get to travel now. Like, no, that's not, no. I don't have to, I don't have to live by that, by that idea. Right. And. One of I, the favorite things that I asked when I was first diagnosed and was trying to figure things out, I posted on a Facebook group of women who were dealing or, you know, there was a Facebook support group for, for women with cancer. And one of the things that I posted and asked was looking back what do you wish you'd done differently? And I got over 200 comments and responses to that question because at the end of the day, you're the only one who can really determine your life. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of women were saying things like, you know, I wish that I had taking some time to go somewhere during treatment and taking a break. You know, there just were, were a lot of things where it was like things that were ways of standing up for yourself and, so, yeah. and being your own advocate and saying, this is what's good or right or helpful for me. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And I think that we get a little better at that on the other side of this journey only because we become more, you know, that BS meter is a little better tuned. Right. <laughs> well, this has been amazing. I know that we have so many other topics that we could absolutely dive into. So we will definitely have to reconvene on another day to do that. But thank you so much for sharing your story and your perspectives today. I so appreciate it. Of course. And if anybody on your team uh, or audience is listening to this and they want to um, learn more about what it's like to go through 
these experiences or what it's like to come out the other side. Um, I did do a video Facebook blog when I was in treatment, uh, facebook.com slash Kate kicks it to cancer. Awesome. And you can see all of my video blogs there. Fantastic. And we will have a link to that blog under the resources for the episode as well. So you can check it out there. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Kate, for sharing so openly. You exemplify the truth that it's not as simple as diagnosis, treatment, and recovery for us. Surviving really is just the beginning. Forever changing your relationships, your motivations, your passions, your priorities. Everything, really. We recorded this episode before the words new normal seem to be applying to the world at large. As survivors, navigating the new normal is definitely an exercise in getting clear about who we are, what matters most to us, and getting really curious about who we want to be. Kate gave some fantastic ideas of what that can look like, from reinvigorating her love of climbing to starting her own business. Hopefully, she inspired you to take action on some of those big ideas that are tugging at your heart. That's our show for this week. Join me for our next episode when Jennifer Downing shares her story, helping her sister navigate cancer and the role yoga played to help them on that journey. Have a great week and thanks for listening.